Archbooks Treasury Christmas Collection is the perfect Christmas gift for children, grandchildren, and godchildren ages 5 through 9. This new resource is published by Concordia Publishing House. Their phone number, 1-800-325-3040. You can also purchase Archbooks Treasury Christmas Collection at issuesetc.org. The Issues Etc. Book of the Month for December, Archbooks Treasury Christmas Collection, 1-800-325-3040 or issuesetc.org. Welcome. We'll endeavor to make your evening as pleasant as possible. Welcome to Hawthorne. Here we are family. We harvest, we ferment, we gel. They gel? We gel. He's not just a chef, he's a storyteller. The game is trying to guess what the overarching theme of the entire meal is going to be. You won't know till the end. Who are you? I am Margo. Why do you care? I have to know if you're with us or with them. This menu. The pictures, they're of us. This guest list. How do they get these? It's not good. This entire evening. This is just theater, it's stagecraft. We're leaving now has been painstakingly planned. That's the trailer for the movie called The Menu. It's a movie about food, in fact, about one meal with 12 guests. Pastor Tedge says there is an unmistakable allusion to Holy Scripture in this film. Is it a film only for foodies? Welcome back to Issues Etc. We're going to review this movie, The Menu. Pastor Tedge joins us. He has a bachelor's degree in fine arts. He's pastor of Mount Olive Lutheran Church in Regina, Saskatchewan, Canada, and he teaches a course for Concordia Lutheran Theological Seminary titled A Lutheran Approach to Art, Media, and Film. Ted, welcome back. Thanks, Todd. How would you classify this movie? What kind of a movie, its genre, is it? It's kind of in the category of, like, black comedies, like dark, dark comedy, maybe thriller horror maybe kind of has elements of that in there it's also i would say it's kind of bordering also on being like a parable in some ways and we'll probably there's an allegorical sense to it with some biblical illusions going on so we might talk about that as well i think to kind of give people a little bit of an idea if you've been watching films for a long time this might be sort of in the same sort of subgenre as films like Paul Bertel's Eating Raoul from 1982, who also directed Death Race 2000, 1975, or like Welsh director Peter Greenaway's The Cook, The Thief, His Wife, and Her Lover from 1989, or Bob uh, Balaban's Parents from 1989, starring Randy Quaid. Or even like there's a French film from 1991 called Delicatessen by um, Jean-Pierre Jeunet. And then also maybe something like Tim Burton's adaptation of the Stephen Sondheim musical Sweeney Todd, the demon barber of Fleet Street. So, I mean, there's a way in which all of those films have a kind of a connected thread. They're all satirical. They all involve to some extent, cannibalism of some kind. And already, <laughs> listeners are going to be like, cannibalism? Okay, so 
spoilers are going to be happening in this review right from the get-go. But in that way, there's... I think you can see where maybe the horror element is going to kind of seep into it. Also, do you remember the abominable Dr. Phoebes movie from forever ago, Vincent Price? It's a satirical black comedy kind of revenge kind of themed film. And all of that kind of stuff maybe helps start to put together what this particular film is going to be about. I want to start where your view actually ends, and that is, it explains a lot of the things that happen in the film or that don't happen in the film. The name of this island restaurant, and then we'll get into the premise of the plot, is Hawthorne. Why is that significant? Yeah, this is kind of one of those things. When you when you sit down in a movie like this and you're watching the film, or at least at least when I do, I start to pick out things because I know that... <sighs> nine times out of 10 or like 19 times out of 20 or like 98 times out of 100, the likelihood of something being there completely by accident, it gets slimmer and slimmer, right? Because so many people are involved in making a film from the writers to the directors to the producers and all these people. So what you get in this film is this young couple who go to this Hawthorne restaurant on this exclusive private island with this celebrity chef, Julian Slowick, played by Ralph Fiennes. And they're there with 10 other invited guests who are served basically more than food as the evening progresses. They can't get off the island. and You kind of keep hearing it. They name the restaurant. It's called Hawthorne. It keeps coming up over and over and over again. So then I'm like, okay, so Hawthorne, 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 why would this be a thing? So you start to dig around a little bit, and all of a sudden you come across this, it's a sociological kind of idea that is kind of contested. Like some people now will say, ah, it's not really a thing. But what they did is they did forever ago, they did in the 1920s, I think, they did a survey, a study, where they had factory workers and they they did a thing where if the factory workers knew that they were being watched they behaved differently if they were being observed and they knew that they were being observed they behaved differently than when they thought they weren't being observed and it was at this hawthorne i think the name of the place was hawthorne that they did the testing so that's where the the name kind of for this idea kind of crops up so what you have then though is you have these guests who come to this restaurant named Hawthorne, who as the meal progresses and each menu item, each course kind of comes out, it comes out with great dramatic flair. There's a little monologue. There's something quirky about each dish as it comes out. But as each dish comes out, they become more and more aware of the fact that they themselves are being observed by the chef, that there are things about each meal that reveals something about the one sitting in the chair at the restaurant. So they start to feel as though they're being judged and they are being judged. So they're being scrutinized. And that's kind of where all of a sudden that idea of that Hawthorne, the sociological study about people being watched, named the Hawthorne study, starts to line up with what you're seeing in the film. So this is one of those kind of interesting, quirky things. And that, too, starts to make you think that this is not just just a story that's unfolding, but it does have this kind of satirical poking at something quality to it and also that it has this 
kind of parabolic allegorical fable kind of quality to it so it's not really it's it's gonna kind of go into bigger ideas than just the unfolding story so now let's kind of reverse engineer that into the premise for this movie yeah so like i said like the people show up on this it's a very exclusive island resort restaurant and apparently one of the writers i think was on his honeymoon he was up in Norway somewhere and went to some restaurant on some island and was dropped off by boat, him and his wife. And as the evening was progressing, he kind of started to think to himself, well, what if this all went sideways? What would I do? Like, what would we do? And and that was kind of the genesis of this idea. Now, of course, it's catering to the extraordinarily rich because they're the only ones that can afford to go to a restaurant like this or their guests. So you have this um, sort of like eat the rich kind of on the surface, it seems like it might be this kind of eat the rich kind of a uh, theme where it's like comeuppance for rich people. So maybe it's like a parable about class struggle or, or something like that. That Maybe it's a Marxist kind of a thing, right? During the year, there was a movie called Triangle of Sadness from this director, Ruben Ostland. And that was one that was certainly about that, where at the beginning it was about models who end up going on a exclusive, expensive yacht trip. And then the third act turned into like Lord of the Flies, you know, where the crew and the guests are kind of at each other on the island. And that triangle of sadness is certainly a movie about that. This one is about that on the surface, but... The director of this particular film, this uh, Mark Malloyd, he said that it's not really about that. He's more interested in the interactions between the characters and why the characters are the way they are. Because as it kind of unfolds, what you find is that these are not necessarily very good people or they're, they have reason to be judged and it's the chef who in the end is judging them. And he's judging them because he feels as though they've done something to contribute to his personal issues in life that have set upon him in the last number of years. We are reviewing the movie The Menu. Pastor Ted Geese is our guest. He teaches a course for Concordia Lutheran Theological Seminary titled The Lutheran Approach to Art, Media, and Film. Do they attempt to leave the island? We'll answer that question next. Please include the worldwide outreach of Issues Etc. in your year-end giving. You can make a secure online contribution at issuesetc.org or by giving us a call, 618-223-8385. For a year-end tax-deductible donation of $250 or more, we'll send you our latest book, The Wittenberg Trail, Paths to Lutheranism, and a new recording of 22 hymns featuring the Lutheran Public Radio Choir. Thanks for listening, and thanks for your support at the end of 2022. This fall in creation is bested by tornado, hurricane, flood, pandemic, and more. LCMS Disaster Response helps our congregations, their pastors, and other church workers to reach out to their members and neighbors with mercy, which flows from Christ's altar. 
We offer quality volunteer training, help for congregational readiness and response, and disaster grant funding. To learn more, visit lcms.org disaster. That's lcms.org disaster. Hope Lutheran Church in West Jordan, Utah is a congregation that embraces the doctrinal and liturgical heritage of the Reformation. If you're coming to Utah to ski in the best snow on earth, or if you're coming here to see the wonders of God's creation in our national parks, or if you call the Salt Lake Valley your home, we would love to have you join us for Bible class and Sunday school at 9.30, and the Divine Service at 10.30. We also offer a midweek service Wednesday nights at 7. You can find us online at westjordanlutherans.org. Join Lutherans for Life in Washington, D.C., Thursday, January 19th through Saturday, January 21st, 2023. Go to lutheransforlife.org to learn more about our Why for Life Washington, D.C. Youth Conference. Deadline for registration is December 15th. Lutherans for Life, equipping Lutherans and their neighbors to be gospel-motivated voices for life. lutheransforlife.org, lutheransforlife.org. Lutheranism in the Public Square. You're listening to Issues Etc. Thanks to the following congregations for standing with us by becoming an Issues Etc. congregational sponsor. Bethlehem Lutheran, Fairborn, Ohio. Emmaus Lutheran, Redmond, Oregon. Grace Lutheran, Auburn, Michigan. Emmanuel Lutheran, Frankentrost, Michigan. Messiah Lutheran, Seattle, Washington. Peace Lutheran, Rapid City, South Dakota. Shepherd of Peace Lutheran, Maumel, Arkansas. St. Mark Lutheran, Waco, Texas. St. Michael Lutheran, Portage, Michigan. And Zion Lutheran, Columbus, Ohio. Find out how your confessional Lutheran church can support this worldwide outreach by including Issues Etc. in your mission or advertising budget. Just go to issuesetc.org, click Support Donate, and print a one-page flyer. When your congregation becomes an Issues Etc. sponsor, we'll publicize your church on the podcast, at our website, and in the Issues Etc. journal. Welcome back. I'm Todd Wilkin, reviewing the movie The Menu with Pastor Ted Geese. So, given the, the plot up to this point, how, without too many spoilers, how does it proceed with regard to what most people would be trying to do in this situation? That's leave the island. Well, this is where, you know, again, you're watching the movie and you're thinking, well, why aren't these people trying harder to get off the island? And they're kind of very meekly just taking whatever's dished out to them along the way. And that's where that Hawthorne effect kind of comes into it, where it's like, somehow they're accepting the judgment that's coming to them kind of a thing. And that's where you kind of take a step further back, or at least I did while watching it and think to myself, okay, so this is not realism, but it's a story that's trying to get to the root of something deeper. And that's where you start thinking about the idea of a parable and the um, parable that came to mind as I was watching this it's a very important parable from Christ. It's from Matthew chapter 22. This is the one of the parables where he's talking about a wedding feast. Can I read that parable sure, for us? Because sure. it, it'll make everything maybe hopefully make more sense. So again, Jesus spoke to them in parables saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. 
and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding. But they would not come. Again, he sent other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully, and killed them. The king was angry, and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go therefore to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot and cast him into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called but few are chosen. So this parable came to mind while watching the film because you have all of these invited guests, right? Now, it's not a one-to-one -one perfect comparison with the parable, but I think the main thing that's very interesting is that what you find is it, it really revolves initially around a couple. So you have these two, this guy, Tyler, played by Nicholas Holt, and Margot, played by Anna Taylor-Joy. And they arrive on the island, but when they arrive on the island, they're kind of being checked in by the maitre d', and it becomes apparent quickly that Margot isn't an expected guest. Her name is not on the list. Tyler RSVP'd a different lady named Miss Westervelt, and even the card on her table says Miss Westervelt, so she's not supposed to be there, but she is there. So then you have this kind of situation where you have this banquet, this feast, that's all prepared for the people who are there, but there's somebody who's not supposed to be there. So this is why I start to think about that parable as I'm watching this film. Except, of course, the whole thing is kind of turned on its head because in the parable, it's the king who gives the wedding feast who is the judge of the guests like a judging who should come to the wedding and then also judging the one who's not supposed to be there who gets there and the way this film kind of unfolds is that in the end like the character of the chef played by ralph fines this julian slowick is the kind of the king of the island the king of the restaurant the king of everything that's going on he's the one who's kind of even referred to like as a god in some ways as everything's unfolding but in the end he's the guy that gets judged so if you take that parable it would be as though the one who's noted as you're not supposed to be here if that one turned around and said to the king i judge you which isn't what you find in Jesus's parable, right? And then the other thing is, is that in the parable that Jesus gives us, the one who's not supposed to be there is bound hand and foot and cast out into the outer darkness. 
And that's the place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's punishment. Everybody who remains at the feast is receiving a gracious gift and reward from the king. But in the film, again, it's inverted and flipped on its head. The one who gets away is the one who wasn't invited. Everyone else who was invited, they all meet a sticky ending and they're judged with fire. So that's a whole kind of different... This to me is very interesting because it has elements that are so clearly like an allusion to scripture, but then the whole thing is flipped on its head. And I don't know if you remember, but we talked about this movie, The Green Knight, with David Lowry as the director. It was from 2021, where they took Sir Gawain and The Green Knight and everything in it was all inverted. As I was watching this film, I started getting the impression that, again, this kind of thing was happening in this and that the writers, the producers, the director, like to some extent, they know enough that it can't really be a complete accident because even down to things like there's not 11 guests or 13 guests, there's 12 guests. At one point, the chef talks about the Lord's Prayer and when he's about to serve them bread, but then they don't get the bread. They just get the things that come along with the bread, but not actually the bread. So they're not receiving their daily bread because they're being judged. And of course, as Lutherans, we would say God gives daily bread to the good and the evil alike, right? But in this case, it's like, no, you've been bad, so you don't get bread. And and then the, the guests are taking it. So this is all very fascinating from like the point of view of like, what is it that these guys are trying to get at? It becomes a bit of a puzzle. And even within the film itself, you're invited to try to figure out what the story's about. It's kind of a mysterious unfolding of events because the the character of Tyler says, you know, with the chef, this famous chef, when you sit down for one of his meals, you have to try to figure out what the theme is, what the story is, and it, it reveals itself through the meal. So they're kind of half expecting that this is maybe not even all real. Maybe that this is all like just a show that's like they don't. Is this really as dangerous as it seems to be? That's a question that the, the diners have, the guests at the meal. Pastor Ted Geese is our guest. We're reviewing the movie The Menu. When we return, sounds like he thinks the biblical allusions are intentional. Several Issues Etc. regular guests are candidates for leadership positions in the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Every LCMS congregation has received nomination forms for the President and Vice Presidents of Synod. Please encourage your pastor and congregational leaders to fill out and return these nomination forms before February 28th of 2023. Learn more at issuesetc.org slash 2023 nominations. IssuesETC.org slash 2023 nominations. What does anthropology or the science of mankind, the study of mankind, have to do with Christmas? Well, it has everything to do with Christmas. As the December issue of The Lutheran Witness points out, to understand what man is and what it means to be man, we don't look to other men, but to Jesus Christ, the man. To subscribe to The Lutheran Witness, visit cph.org slash witness or visit our website witness.lsms.org to learn more. The Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective.
theology for blue collar, white collar, and clerical collar, you're listening to Issues Etc. You wish your classical school could do more for struggling learners? Uncertain where to begin? The Memoria Press Schools Division includes Cheryl Swope, author of Simply Classical, a beautiful education for any child. The school's division will happily assist your school. Memoria Press offers an entire line of special needs resources for teaching math, reading, spelling, and more. Contact schools at memoriapress.com or order directly from simplyclassical.com with coupon code LPR23. It's the days before Christmas and the list is so long of whom to buy what for, so I'll help you along. Ad Crucem has gifts for all budgets and tastes. Our service is quick for shoppers in haste. Pop over to the website adcrucem.com for gifts focused on Christ where it's always belonged. Reminders of his work for saints in this world and his promises eternal yet to be fulfilled. Visit adcrucem.com. That's A-D-C-R-U-C-E-M dot com. Sing my song Sing My Tongue, The Glorious Battle. It's from a new recording of 22 Lent and Holy Week hymns featuring the Lutheran Public Radio Choir. We'll send you this recording and our latest book, The Wittenberg Trail Paths to Lutheranism, for a year-end tax-deductible donation of $250 or more. You can make a secure online gift at issuesetc.org or by giving us a call, 618-223-8385. Thanks for listening, and thanks for your financial support at the end of 2022. We're reviewing the movie The Menu with Pastor Ted Geese. Ted, these biblical allusions, it sounds like you think they're intentional on the filmmaker's part. Yeah, I think so. I mean, for it to be accidental, like, boy, oh boy, that would require some... I mean, the charge might be that, hey, you're too much into this right that you've come to this with you know your own personal ideas about things and biblical knowledge and all the rest of it and and you're reading into this something that's not there but there's just so much of it as the movie is unfolding it's hard to see that it would be completely accidental i just can't see that it's accidental now there are some other kind of peculiarities that are going on with this the director of the film is kind of a guy that got hired on partway through. Originally, it was supposed to be Alexander Payne, who is the director of a movie we talked about forever ago called Nebraska. And he exited the project and wasn't the director anymore. Also, the main actress was slated to be somebody different. And so this has kind of been floating around Hollywood for a while. But two of the producers that are involved in it are Will Ferrell and Adam McKay, who is the guy who did Don't Look Up. So Don't Look Up, if you remember, was the, again, kind of a parable or a satire about 
climate change, but it was all couched in this sort of an asteroid's coming and it's going to hit the planet and we're all going to die. And then it's all of the nonsense that everybody goes through connected to that. And, and the, 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 one of the things that I thought about that movie, Don't Look Up, was I thought that this was not just a satirical comedy presented to people in the theater to watch or at home watching it on Netflix or whatever, but that it was actually an inside joke that like McKay, the, the director of that, who's the producer of this film, knows that like people really want to do something about the environment. So he could just like say, I'm making a movie about the environment and he could get money from the producers, just get the money in to make the movie. He could get people involved, Leonardo DiCaprio, Meryl Streep, and he could even get people involved who, who are so passionate about these, these topics. But what if it, the whole thing was a joke for him to like snicker at behind everyone's back is like I pulled it off on all of you like there's a sense that there's kind of a hoodwinking going on with the whole entire thing that's what I got out of that don't look up I, I thought that there was a disingenuousness to it that at the root of that was kind of maybe a joke so with this all of a sudden I see that this McKay is involved in this film as a producer and Will Ferrell is involved in this too and I start to think to myself well what is this all really about is this what it's being presented as? Because as it all, like because of the nature of like foodie, high-end, posh, pretentious restauranteur kind of stuff, like they're kind of taking the wind out of those sails. Like they're mocking it in a way. Well, these guys are people who run in those circles. They've been to these kind of pretentious, fancy gala dinners and whatever else. So... Are they poking fun at all of that too? Like, like I think there's a lot of questions that could be asked about this film. Do they believe the thing that it seems to be implying or are they making fun of the thing that it seems to be implying? Because as it all unfolds, I don't know if the director is in on the joke. Like the director's there doing the, the work of directing the film and he's doing his part, but I don't know that he's in on what this is actually all about. Also, if you would talk about the character that isn't swayed by the celebrity or the the foodie aspects of the entire scenario. Well, this is the character of Margot. So Margot, I'd mentioned, was the uh, guest of Tyler, who shows up. And at, when you see the film at the beginning of the film, it's implied that they're on a date. And then you think, oh, well, this Tyler's a jerk because he... He RSVP'd for somebody different, and then she didn't show up, and this lady's there, and it's kind of all embarrassing and awkward. But what you find out along the way is that it's not that Margot is... Margot's name isn't even Margot. As it unfolds, Margot turns out to be an escort. And what's worse is, as everything unfolds, they're finally told, and they don't know if it's true or not, but they're finally told you're all going to die. And not only are you all going to die, but the chef's going to die, the kitchen staff is going to die, everybody, we're all dying tonight by the end of this. So then she realizes that he brought this, Tyler knew that that was the case. 
and he brought her along knowing that he by inviting her to come as his guest because you can't go by yourself that he knew that she was going to die and he thought that she was a person who would be able to be sacrificed out of the common good of of the world because she was an escort right and they don't explain whether maybe the other person was his actual girlfriend or something like that they don't explain that but she's this character where the chef sees something in in her because they're i'm using air quotes here both in the service industry so the question is is she a giver or a taker should she be with the kitchen staff or should she be sitting at those tables again you see the kind of fable parabolic kind of nature of the story she doesn't buy into all of the pretentious dramatic flair of each of these uh, menu items as they come out she thinks it's all snobbery and dumb and really it becomes a thing between her and the the chef and when i mentioned the idea that the uninvited guest by taking the parable from scripture and inverting it and flipping it on its head you have the uninvited guest who judges the the king like if you inverted jesus's story that he's telling there what you get in this film is is that this particular guest margot she judges the chef so it's like the apex of everything she says i don't like your food i want to send it back and of course nobody sends no this celebrity chef nobody sends food back into his kitchen so that all unfolds this kind of uh, the kind of conclusion of the film again like i've said that this is spoilers i know like th- this is one of these films where even the office administrator here at at mount olive she said yeah i saw the trailer for it and it looked kind of spooky and scary and i i decided i didn't want to watch it because she said it seemed like it might be too true like it could be the si- kind of thing that might actually be happening out there in the world someplace and i i don't i don't i don't want to watch it right so i know dear listener you may not have seen the menu you might not be interested in seeing the menu but you might be interested in knowing about the menu so again we're going to spoil it a little further yet and i'm going to give away the ending of how it ends so what she does is along the way she kind of figured out that that he'd lost his desire and happiness with doing the work that he did like as a chef and for many years he actually has grown to resent and hate his work the food itself the people he serves all of it right he's lost he's just he's he's not doing the job the way that he's doing the work but he doesn't he hates himself and everything so she finds out kind of back where he actually still loved what he did so when she gets up and says i don't like your food you know, she wants to send it back what she does is she orders a hamburger and that goes way back into menu items from the past for him where he actually loved what he did so he says i can make you a hamburger and they make her a hamburger she starts to eat the hamburger she gets part way through and she says you know my eyes are too big for my stomach can i get that in a to go box like a to go bag and the chef goes yes i can get you a to go bag and she, she takes the to go bag gives him 10 dollar bill and she walks out and she's the only one that gets to leave 
the rest of the guests, now we're at the dessert part of the menu, the rest of the guests are dressed up like s'mores with like a white marshmallow cape that goes around them, like a, a robe, a white robe made of marshmallows. And they're given little crowns of, of chocolate and the whole place is put up in a blaze in fire. And they're all like graham crackers all scattered around and they all burn up everybody who's there. So she gets out, they all perish in the flames. And some of them, it seems like they're even perishing in the flames, kind of happily perishing in the flames. And the chef even mentions, you know, like that fire is what's used to like refine. So again, this is another scriptural illusion, right? The refiner's fire, but he talks about heretics and martyrs die in the flames kind of a thing. And, and that's it. So they're confronted with their sin. They're kind of given opportunities to repent. They, they, they do a little bit of that with each other at their tables, kind of, but in the end, they all are judged and they all die. So if this is a parable about something, I mean, what could it be about? Like when it boils down to murder suicide, it's like, well, you could do a murder suicide story based on like somebody like at a workplace coming in and shooting all of their coworkers and shooting themselves, or it could be a gun violence kind of a thing, but you take that and go, well, we can't do a comedy about that. Or you, it would be hard even to do a satiric, like we want to talk about something like that, but we want to do it in a different kind of way. So then perhaps that's the thing. And I, like I, I went and looked for stuff from the director and different people about this. And again, I don't know if that's what, what they're driving at, but it's very clear that the whole thing is, it boils down to being a story that's about murder, suicide. The chef is the one who, in all of his kind of cult member people, because the kitchen staff are like cult members, they perpetrate this murder suicide. And when you hear stories of like gunmen, even the Columbine story, I think that there are these times where the one who's perpetrating it might say to somebody, get out of here. You were always good to me. Get out of here. Right. So occasionally you get somebody who gets let go. And that kind of seems like it's part of this story, too, with the character of Margot, that the chef sees something in her that's of himself. And also there's this kind of a suggestion at the end that perhaps I went and I found the script and I read through the script and, and they, they were hoping for people to pick up on the idea that perhaps now she's a changed person as a result of it. I don't know that the film actually makes that as clear as it could be. But that's that's the hope that's in the script. Finally, with about a minute, any pastoral concerns? Sure. I mean, this is a R-rated film. It's not for kids, obviously. This would be distressing. A bunch of the uh, films I listed off at the beginning of of the interview that kind of deal with stuff that's similar because there's cannibalism and stuff like that in in it. This film doesn't like show anybody like nobody's forced to eat another person but by the end of it they are all cooked as a menu item so it's implied cannibalism there it's a could be a distressing film it's not really like funny 
I mean, there are moments that are humorous, but it's like intellectually humorous, not funny. Like I'm going to be like laughing out loud here. So that's something to kind of keep in mind. It's a movie that people could think about. There's things worth thinking about in it, but it's just, it's just not going to be for everybody. And there's another thing too. There's, there is a little bit of lazy writing here and there. There's a lot of F bombs that I, I don't even think that they're necessary for the film. But on top of that, you know, it's because of this kind of inverting Christian biblical allusions, it's a disquieting experience in places. So I, I would say, you know, somebody could be punched with, if they walked into this movie and didn't really know much about it. On the flip side, I would say it probably works best if you don't know much about it. But then the question is, works best? Like, what is it? doing in the end it's a pretty dark set ideas so like this is not going to be for most people but i think it's worth talking about and thinking about i'm glad i saw it and i'm glad that i'm able to talk to everybody about it but it's not a recommendation pastor ted geese has a bachelor's degree in fine arts he is pastor of mount olive lutheran church in regina saskatchewan canada and he teaches a course for Concordia Lutheran Theological Seminary titled A Lutheran Approach to Art, Media, and Film. You can read his movie reviews at issuesetc.org. Click Talk On Demand Archives. Ted, thanks. Thank you. Folks, if you need to do some last-minute Christmas shopping for the Lutheran loved ones in your life, go to adcrucem.com. You'll find unique and high-quality jewelry, fine art, housewares, and more. adcrucem.com, A-D-C-R-U-C-E-M, Com. Friday on Issues Etc., we'll discuss reflections on educational decay from a former public high school teacher. Our guest will be Josh Pauling, and we'll respond to your email, talkback at issuesetc.org, and the Issues Etc. comment line, 618-223-8382. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for listening. Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc., Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc., P.O. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc. is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio. Listen to the best of the church's music for the Advent season at lutheranpublicradio.org. Sacred music for the Advent season, lutheranpublicradio.org.